Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Kabuki Theater and Rodeo Clowns. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And today is Thursday, January 5th in the year 2023. Five days into the new year and... Crazy is on the roll. Pretty impressive. I think we're hitting some new benchmarks in the level of insanity. And we have hardly gotten started in 2023. Just imagine where we'll be a year from now. Looking back at things that we thought were off the rails and complimenting ourselves on how that was pretty much normal now. Patriots, before we begin, the one thing that you need to remember is that they want to control you. And by controlling you, they want to wear you down and break you. And whatever they offer, you, they want you to accept it with your free will, as the only way forward. One of those greatest ways to protect from that is a good night's sleep. You have to keep yourself rested right now. It's absolutely critical. And that's where we have MyPillow.com. They have the best products out there and a patriot company and a CEO that loves Jesus and loves this nation to make sure you are equipped to give yourself a good night's sleep every night. Even if that good night's sleep ends up being three to four hours or if it's a full eight hours. Obviously, more the better, but you want to live, be sleeping in comfort and absolutely know that you're going to be able to rest the best you possibly can. So head on over to MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards is the Bards Nation's page. It's where we have all the great features. It's for us in Bards Nation for all the greatness that we are and do. And of course, if you're not part of Bards Nation and you want to come on over anyway, we're happy to have you. And then use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, and that's going to give you some amazing savings over there on great products. Giza cotton sheets, absolutely the most comfortable sheets you'll ever sleep in. The My Pillow Classic, a great pillow, amazing. And you've got the My Slippers. Get up in the morning, slip your feet right into those, and then go make yourself a cup of, yeah, that's right, My Coffee. That's it. They've got the whole thing from sleep to the first cup of coffee in the day. Even in your pajamas, they can get those for you. So MyPillow.com, fantastic resource for all your sleep and refreshing refreshment needs for the morning. And just keep yourself strong and focused and healthy. And that's most important as we go into this fight. So again, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. Well, Patriots, as you probably know, we are in a bit of a crazy event going on over here at the White House, or no, I'm sorry, the Congress right now. And I've been kind of scoffing at it most of the week because it is pretty much a kabuki theater and it, and another level, a clown show, except this. And, it, and what this is was one small little event that happened today that perked my ears up, and it was brought in by Matt Getz. And here it is right here. Gates. Donald John Trump. Trump. It was at that moment that about 200 to 300 heads just about ready to explode on, on the Capitol Hill. Then when Matt Gates introduced Donald J. Trump as the nomination for the next speaker in the House, which I don't care how we cut this, that would be the ultimate 
in change of events in the United States. Now, do I think it's possible? I don't know. Anything is possible in this day and age. Crazy is the normal. But it is something to pay attention to because this event, more than anything, regardless of whether it's an actual demonstration of the dysfunctional aspect of government, whether it's a true fight like we're seeing, it still represents a dysfunctional level of government, but it also represents the true nature of what the republic should be. And I want to say that because when I saw it talk about dysfunctionalism, I'm going to talk about it in terms of those that are aligning with the deep state. But in terms of really the way government should work, that is a demonstration of what we're seeing right now, the way government should work. There's 20 hardcore with about 10 on the fringe that are holding out against Speaker McCarthy. Now, we know that he's a deep state hand puppet, and that's demonstrated very well by the discussions between Gowdy, Trey Gowdy, and Hannity in a piece that came up yesterday where we learned truly the true nature of what they felt about this whole group that was holding out. And I'll tell you, it's not surprising. Take a listen to this. So good. They're both great people. And I agree with you. I think Jim Jordan, as, as head of the Judiciary Committee, is a massive win, especially with the investigations he's going to be involved in, which are critically important to the country. Look, I can put up with a number of days of this, but at some point, are we going to get a resolution? I, we're going to have to. I, I mean, unless you believe in minority rights in the extreme, you don't go from 20 to 218. I mean, we need, you're never going to get some of these people, uh, Sean. I, I mean, they live to be in opposition to Republicans. But but people watching your show need to call and say, you know what? I didn't work my tail off in November to watch y'all look like a clown show on national television. So oh. y'all get behind Kevin. You got your motion to vacate. As it relates to President Trump, they love him when they need a pardon. They love him when they need attention. But when he says Kevin's my person, all of a sudden they know better. I mean, they know better than the Republican conference. Kevin got 85 percent of the vote in the primary, and yet they know better. I, 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 mean, I, don't, I can't think of anything more anti-democratic than 15% trying to dictate to the other 85% who the speaker should be. If there's something that they want or need or something that's missing in his agenda, I want to know what it is, and I can't get that answer out of any of them. Uh, Trey Gowdy, thank get you. Appreciate it. Get in his office and let him know. Get in I his agree office with that. and let him know. I've been know telling people quit, to do that since quit opposing December. opposing a motion to adjourn. Yeah, right, you're right. It. They should listen to you. All right. They should. Nobody ever listens to me. Anyway, AOC. I Boy, no truer words were said. Thanks, Hannity, for telling us the truth. Nobody does listen to you, nor does anybody care. You're Sean Hannity, hand puppet of the CIA and deep state, and we don't really care. This is the one thing that is interesting about this, and you're listening to this dialogue coming out of, obviously, Fox. Trey Gowdy, if you remember led the investigation into Benghazi. And I'm going to give Matt Gates a lot of credit. I'm not a big fan of these people, but I'm kind of enjoying this clown show that's going on up here because it's forcing truth back into the public space. Listen to Matt's comment about the clown show. People like former Congressman Trey Gowdy, who said he called this opposition a clown show on national television. The former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, has said that you are holding the House hostage. What is your response to that type of criticism? 
Well, Trey Gowdy would know something about clown shows. That's probably how a lot of us would categorize the Benghazi hearings that resulted in people screaming at each other in a big report, but no real accountability. Uh, I remember the Trey Gowdy who went on your network as a congressman and said that he'd reviewed what had gone on with the FBI and the Department of Justice and that they had done nothing wrong and that actually the American people would be happy of what they were looking at with President Trump. We now, of course, know that to be false, and even Trey Gowdy has expressed regret about that. So I don't exactly take uh, a lot of armchair quarterbacking from uh, someone who during his time in Congress wasn't among the fighters. I'll tell you, the other thing we'd like to know is who does Trey Gowdy's hair and gives him those gay looking glasses, because I'm going to tell you, his hair looks like a bad, badly done mohawk. He needs a new hairstylist. But besides, besides that, we are really witnessing a true reveal here. And I think this is very important in terms of this kabuki theater that's going on is people are witnessing who's really willing to stand and hold the line for the sake of the Constitution. And here's the sad part. It's 20 people. The rest of them, they've sold out. They're more interested in lobbying. They're more interested in what they're going to get for themselves. They're more interested in the game of politics that gives them personal gain. If anybody had it right, it would probably be our favorite and if you don't follow this person once in a while, you have to because it's some of the best laughs on the Internet. And it's the notorious cat turd who we all know on just a couple days ago or yesterday. He, he started his day was preview of today's voting vote. Number four, McCarthy loses again. Vote number five, McCarthy loses again. Vote number six, McCarthy loses again. He went on to say, if only Kevin McCarthy fought as hard against Democrats during his career then he's fighting his fellow Republicans right now. Very telling that he went, uh, he went budge. He won't budge an inch to conservatives, but we all know he'll he'd fold like a cheap tent to the Democrats if he gets speaker. Because it's all for them and McCarthy about these lobbyists who are literally trying to run the country by proxy. Catcher adds another one. Maybe they'll let McCarthy be Speaker of the House in Ukraine, especially since he wore a Ukraine flag in his lapel. He looks so nice. Catcher added, can't wait until tomorrow so I can watch Swamp Rat McCarthy lose three more times. And so far, Cat Kurt's batting 100%. And then again, good morning to everyone. As a reminder, Dan Crenshaw, remember the one-eyed Navy SEAL that sold out to the World Economic Forum? Yeah, that Dan Crenshaw. Reminder, Dan Crenshaw called all you terrorists and the enemy if you don't support McCarthy. Funny coming from a neocon warmonger, Ukraine first sellout, who suddenly became a stock buying genius after his after he joined Congress. Funny how that works. Finally, 90% of the Republican Congress went want McCarthy as speaker. Well, over well over 50% of Republicans voters don't want McCarthy as speaker. And yet they arrogantly pretend to represent us. That's exactly right. And that is just the fool's hearted game in this whole thing. We are the great thing about what's going on up there is literally that we are witnessing for the a very current time and entering into 2023 as so many eyes are pasted on Congress to see exactly what's going on. We're truly seeing the true nature of the way government works. And we can't underrate the importance of this. We no longer teach civics in schools. People honestly don't even have a concept about what a representative republic republic looks like. In a piece I saw today, just take this for example, considering that Congress approved our first Bible, if you didn't know that, and it was designated to be taught in schools. 
Today, a man, or not, I saw a piece today. I don't know if it was shot today. He went through a Walmart offering people $100 to list five books out of the New Testament. He went through about seven or eight people. Every one of them told them he could, they could not list five books out of the New Testament. Our education in this nation is abominable. It's absolutely abominable. So which I'm going to highlight too real quick while it's on my mind. There are a number of new podcasts starting up from people that have been in Bard's Nation. We're going to highlight some of those in the coming weeks, but I just want to give you a heads up. Those postings, I believe, and schedules are going to be posted in the Bard's family room. And so really good effort and great things to see as these podcasts get started and they start to get their feet on the ground and zero in on their themes and what they're going to focus on. And I'll tell you that we have some great talent in the ranks that's coming out here with some great topics. So encouraging all those that are out here that are getting started, go hard and don't quit. And whatever you commit to, stay steady and stay focused. You've got great messages to share. Okay, so as we continue on with this and this craziness, one of the bigger events that has happened and come to the news today is something that for the most part I have been sliding on and not really covering well because I've been pretty suspicious of it, but it comes to head tomorrow and it's the Brunson versus Adams case. Now this is a case that was is submitted by a couple of guys from Utah and it's actually as a, and this to read the headline here right out of American pigeon, the right side of journalism, it says the little known case that made it to the Supreme court on government collusion during and after the 2020 election. Now, why this case is so important is the fact that it is actually being heard at the Supreme Court. I don't know. You know, a lot of people are expecting this to be the great event. It's going to be the unraveling of everything. There's actually 388 members of Congress that are listed on this docket as violating their oath and that need to be removed from office. Now, do I think it's going to work? Patriots, like everything else, it's a crap roll. We're going to we're throwing the dice on this and we, we're spinning the wheel on the roulette chart, I have no idea. What I do know is just the fact that it has now made it to the Supreme Court and it is being listened to suggests some really big things. And the conclusion of the article, I think they really nail it, which is the fact that the Brunson case has made it to the court's docket suggests profound concerns, referencing the Supreme Court, about the a lawless January 6th Congressional Committee politicized federal law enforcement and intelligence agencies, and major constitutional violations intended to overthrow an elected government by manipulating the outcome of the presidential election. That's their summation of this case. I think that's spot on. What is important is that tomorrow this case is going to be heard. The first arguments will be made. The Supreme Court is actually hearing it. Does it lead to the collapse of Congress? Does it lead to other things? Honestly, I can't say. But what I do know is this. There's some interesting things lining up here that I think that, again, as we work through a lawful way of transitioning ourselves back to a republic and an attempt by the institute, by these fighting to clean up the institution, which I'm skeptical of, nonetheless, this is a pathway forward that gives that opportunity. The question is always, will the judges do the right thing? I don't know. There has been a letter writing campaign, and I would, I'll would i get more information on that. If you want to get behind that, you're welcome to. Again, I tend to be a little bit suspect of these major events, but now that we see this actually before the Supreme Court, 
I'm willing to give it a little look. And again, I keep my hopes very tempered, but it's more of an interest in the moving parts of the piece and keeping in mind again and again that between what's going on in Congress and what's going on with the Supreme Court, both of these things are once again affecting a major awakening. I know that sometimes that seems discouraging because people will say, well, okay, well, when's there going to be justice? If we're going to get this thing back, we need more and more people aware of the depth of corruption that's there. I played a piece last night on the one of the on a law that's been passed by 25 states, a law that is protecting Israel, requiring an oath to Israel, and and limiting our ability to speak out against Israel or even boycott them. That's part of this insurgency of getting us of taking us over within. And there's another 22 states that have it ready to pass. We don't even have a law like that about the United States. You imagine having a law in the United States where we could not criticize the United States and we had to be loyal to the United States and we couldn't boycott anything in the United States. That's effectively what they're doing with Israel right now. And again, like I said last night, never going to support anything like that because I'll never support the government of Israel. That government of Israel is one step off of fascist if it isn't fascist itself. So we have to be very clear that politics and religion are going to get intermixed and you have to be very clear where you stand. This is going to get very convoluted going forward. And so as we see these things percolate up, what we're seeing is a greater awareness of what's going on in our nation. And it's going to require a great deal of ground effort to make things happen and to change this back to the republic that we need, which I believe is possible. And ultimately, it's going to come down to local level. Now, listen to this. This is a big movement today. Significant is that Missouri has moved forward a bill that would make one step closer to having gold and silver as money. Uh, that may surprise people because most states don't have that. Most states don't have a position where gold and silver can be used as money because there's typically a capital gains tax tacked on your gold and silver. So if there's any gain made on your gold and silver, using it in a purchase would also require you to pay a tax. But here's the thing. A bill introduced in Missouri Senate for the 2023 legislative session would take important steps towards treating gold and silver as money instead of as commodities and would set the stage for currency competition in the show me state. Senator William Eigel filed SB 100 last month. The legislation would take several steps to encourage the use of gold and silver as money in Missouri, including making it legal tender, eliminating the state capital gains tax on gold and silver, and establishing state bullion depository. Now, I did a quick little research, and it's interesting because they are one of several states that have made this move. Those states include... Uh, let's see, we have here West Virginia, Wyoming, Utah, Arizona, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Indiana, Missouri, obviously, Louisiana, Tennessee, and South Carolina have all been moving towards making gold and silver legal tender. This type of move is incredible, and it's the exact type of move we need to see in almost every state, As and that's going to take a lot of ground effort to do to try to get to where gold and silver can be used in the event that they try to impose a digital currency that we won't be required to use the federal currencies. The key is that we are allowed, states are allowed to do that. Most people don't realize that. And states are allowed to have, a, to be able to create tender, but only by the constitution in gold and silver. 
So if your state's not doing it, like mine in Oregon, time to make some action. And what I'm going to encourage, because I'm going to, I will make this public as we get this uh, formulated, I'm going to look at what Missouri and these other states are doing and see if we can't make that a county-level measure. I don't know how your state works, but I know in Oregon we have citizens' initiatives. And there's no reason that counties can't start putting this initiative forward that counties will accept gold and silver, and that they will not allow the state to collect a capital gains tax. Now, that will definitely end up in court, and that's exactly where you want it because it will force the state to start justifying why it won't accept gold and silver as legal tender. And these are the sorts of things that we're going to have to continue to fight, and that's how we do this. We need to be pushing the county-level initiatives forward more and more, and those will cause the state to step forward and have to approve why they get dominance over other things. So let's just take a quick look at what's going on in the world to kind of give you an idea of the global chaos that they're shaking up and how the world is literally, well, I guess pretty much burning down. Here are five important crises you need to keep your eye on in 2023. Firstly, the escalation of the war in Ukraine. Putin is poised to launch a new deadly offensive. On the other hand, the US has increased its support to Ukraine with an extra $44.9 billion in aid. Meanwhile, Europe continues to struggle amidst rising energy prices. Number two, high tensions over Taiwan. China has vowed to take back Taiwan. The US has promised to defend them. Experts believe an invasion will happen sooner rather than later. Yet any conflict involving Taiwan will be disastrous for the people living there and for the global economy. Number three, Afghanistan on the brink of collapse. 20 million people are food insecure. 6 million are close to starvation, yet aid is drying up as the Taliban continue to isolate the country after banning women's education. Many fear a total collapse is imminent. Number 4. Iran's unwavering mass protests The government is cracking down hard, with more executions, yet protesters are refusing to back down. It's the biggest challenge to the regime's rule in decades, and many say there's no going back. And finally, Israel's dangerous promise. Israel's new far-right government has prioritised annexing the occupied West Bank of Palestine. But Palestinians are unlikely to sit by quietly. As history has shown, this is all the ingredients for a renewed violent conflict, with Palestinian civilians being often disproportionately affected. This is good stuff <laughs> in the sense of keeping an eye on how crazy the world is. This is a multi-front disintegration of the world. And no matter how you dice this up, this is a loss of the old guard's control and whatever it looks like for the new guard. The greatest challenge and greatest question we have as a nation is if we can hold ourselves together. The state's initiatives right now are huge. These, this idea of starting to accept gold and silver as legal tender is a very significant move because it challenges the predominance or dominance of the Fed in terms of money. And it gives the minting right back to the states. Don't under, underrate how big a deal that is. And it's something that is, again, we need to be looking at as a county level, because ultimately, in my vision of things, if the counties have the right to have and mint their own currencies, which has been done in the past. In fact, in my county, in Douglas County, Oregon, they have did just that in the 50s and the 40s. The local lumber mill, which is still here, Roseburg Lumber, which is now Roseburg Forest Products, used to issue their own script locally so that people would use that to buy and sell. And what they would do is they would back it with a guarantee that they, the bills would be paid. The reason they did this is because of the way the payments worked often and the paydays, they wanted to make sure that their employees could always acquire the necessities they need, whether it was a new pair of boots, whether it was food for the table, whatever. So they had their own script from Roseburg Lumber. 
and that was back. So this is not something new. It's a matter of us reaffirming and reestablishing an old way so that we can overdo and override the federal's attempt to force us into a digital currency. Again, these are great methods to attack the, uh, the approach of federal to squeeze us. Now, in something else today, which I found interesting, and I am going to play it here tonight, President Trump has resurfaced, so to speak. And I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by what I heard this evening in this speech. And this is a four minute and 40 second speech that was put out for the purpose, for his purpose of doing a more or less a, if you will, a, a PR piece for what's coming. But this is the President Trump we haven't heard now for probably three, maybe even four years. Very directed, very affirming, and very focused on what's to come. And the reason I say this is in light of what's happening tomorrow at the Supreme Court, in light of the attempt to squeeze out McCarthy, and as we start to lay out the land of 2023 and potentially 2024, this speech directly focuses on where the real problem is and where they would go after this. Now, I'm going to frame this a little bit just to consider what this says, okay? We have heard for a long time that hopes and fears or hopes and, and too much hope, in fact, of military in control, a martial law, or this other garbage. And you, you know how I feel about that. One, I think it's, it's pie in the sky talk. And the other is I don't, there's no possible way that we would ever want to see martial law in this country, nor would it be tolerated. However, this is a very specific type of approach. Now, whether he does this in a return to presidency in 2024, if this is a candidacy speech, piece, I don't know, or whether this is something bigger in the works for 2023. Nonetheless, his influence is significant and his speech to me is very important here to listen to, to listening to how this is being framed and targeted to eliminate two major thrusts of problems, which ultimately we know tie to the CIA and the deep state. And what is that? Drugs and child sex trafficking. So take a listen to this piece. Fentanyl, heroin, meth, and other lethal drugs are pouring across our wide-open border, stealing hundreds of thousands of beautiful American lives. And it's happening like never before in our history. Children are being left without parents. Families are being ripped apart. Communities are being decimated. Our neighbors and fellow citizens are having their entire worlds destroyed. Destroyed like nobody thought possible. Our country is being poisoned from within by the drugs and by all of the other crime that's taking place. The drug cartels are waging war in America, and it's now time for America to wage war on the cartels. In this war, Joe Biden has sided against the United States and with the cartels. They are making more money than they've ever made before, times 10. There's never been anything like it. They're major, major companies. They're bigger than even some of our biggest companies. Biden's open border policies are a deadly betrayal of our nation. When I am president, it will be the policy of the United States to take down the cartels, just as we took down ISIS and the ISIS caliphate, and just as, unlike the situation we're in today, we had a very, very strong border, the strongest border, in fact, in the history of our country. And drugs were at a low, of 45 years, there's been nothing like what we did just two years ago. 
We will show no mercy on the cartels. Every day, drug traffickers are using the waters of our region to ship their lethal poisons to America, killing so many of our people and ruining families. In addition to restoring strong border security, I will deploy all necessary military assets, including the U.S. Navy, to impose the full naval embargo on the cartels. I did that before, and it worked. What we did was incredible. We will guarantee that the waters of the Western Hemisphere are not used to traffic illicit drugs to our country. Furthermore, I will order the Department of Defense to make appropriate use of special forces, cyber warfare, and other overt and covert actions to inflict maximum damage on cartel leadership, infrastructure, and operations. I will designate the major cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. We will sever their access to global financial systems. I will also work to forge an unprecedented partnership with neighboring governments in our region, just like I did in Mexico. And remember, in Mexico alone, an estimated 100,000 civilians have been tragically murdered or gone missing at the hands of these cartels. The Mexican government, run by a very fine man, the president, is really working hard, but it's not working out. These cartels are vicious, and they're violent, and they have Mexico for now stymied. Well, we have to help Mexico, and we have to stymie the cartels. Either we will get the full cooperation of other governments to stop this menace, or we will expose every bribe, every kickback, every payoff, and every bit of corruption that is allowing the cartels to preserve their brutal reign. And it is indeed brutal. Finally, as I have said before, I will ask Congress to pass legislation ensuring that drug smugglers and human traffickers receive the death penalty. The drug cartels and their allies in the Biden administration have the blood of countless millions on their hands. Millions and millions of families and people are being destroyed. When I'm back in the White House, the drug kingpins and vicious traffickers will never sleep soundly again. We did it once, and we did it better than anybody else. There's never been a better border than we had just two years ago. It was strong, it was powerful, and it was respected all over the world. And now we're laughed at all over the world. And we're not going to let that happen much longer. We have to take over. We have to be tough. We have to be smart. We have to be fair. But if we don't do something immediately, our country is gone. So that was recent. That was today. But I also want to keep, keep a few things in mind of the unprecedented nature of this type of speech. No matter what his role or capacity is, the fact of the matter is you have a sitting president that this president has openly called out and said that there's blood on his hands. In the United States, when a previous president challenges a sitting president, that can be considered an act of treason. So you have to understand the magnitude of what's been said here. Furthermore, there is an absolute map laid out here in explicit detail, which we don't typically hear, including very specific call-outs to special forces, drones, and cyber warfare. These are very specific assets that have unprecedented capabilities in a war like this. And it would allow us to do cross-border activity, work within other countries without their approval. He's given an, uh, an ultimatum here, which is very interesting because as a president 
or he, let's just say he's doing this as a candidate speech, this is a big dish to, to, deliver, to deliver to the world with an open threat to expose any leader in the world that does not comply and to expose them for the corruption that they were involved with at the cartel. So I don't consider this just another random speech. This is out of character for President Trump, especially from what we've seen for the last three years. And with everything else starting to move, it's something to keep your eye on and pay attention to. My personal opinion is you're going to see something like this manifest in the next two years. And it will be significant. And it will put war on our southern border in a way that we haven't ever dreamed possible. But it will be a cross-border action, likely, because it's been brewing that way, to literally go into Mexico and start gutting out the cartels. It's something we have not done because the CIA has controlled that territory, and we've been prevented by the congressional corruption from ever declaring cartels a terrorist group. But he's mapped out a way ahead, or at least he believes there's a way ahead, to accomplish just that. So again, an interesting benchmark in what we're doing and what we're seeing, I would pay attention to it and not blow it off as just a can, as a campaign speech. I don't think it is. There's other things cooking here that we don't really see or know. A lot of moving parts as we enter into the fifth day and the fifth day of the new year. Now, take a look at this headline that came out today in Armed Forces Press. Here it comes. Breaking. Department of Defense controlled COVID vaccines from the start under national security under national security program lied the entire time we never they were never safe and effective that is damning and it starts to point to where the deeper culprits are in this entire fight this is really going to be a challenge for america as we start to face the level of corruption that has occurred across the entire board and I apologize, I said today, this they came out a year ago today. This is dated January 5th, 2022, not January 5th, 2023. Nonetheless, this article's relevant to where it is today in exactly one year as a, as, as a benchmark. So we, have, we know for a fact that the Department of Defense was actively involved in the development and control of these vaccines, which were a bioweapon. And that ties in with everybody that was in the military that has not said anything about it. So there's going to be a lot of accountability that has to be made. The questions that I would have right off the top is with the agencies that we know and the agencies that we're supposed to be looking forward in future threats to include the agent, the group I used to work with, Asymmetric Warfare Group, NSA, DIA, and other, and other intelligence groups. How is it that nobody knew that this emerging threat was there and this vaccine was potentially going to be developed that was a bioweapon that was being injected in the U.S. people's arms? And the reason we don't know is this is the, there are so many, so many people controlling this information and bought off. The system is deeply corrupt. Senior executive class in the, in the government is the most ruthless and deadly class we've ever had. They are a non-elected, protected, union-protected group that was put, installed under Bush 1 to ensure what they call continuity of government. All they are is deep state hand puppets that have been engineering this fight against the American people to take us down from within. There are very few of them that don't require a test, a tribunal and potentially a noose because one way or the other, most of them have been instrumental in preventing the U.S. from doing what we need to do. This is a real challenging time. And we know that where we're looking at again and again is what form does justice take? And this is always going to come down to the bigger question of will justice ever do its job? What I want to play for you here is a piece on child sex trafficking 
it's again, it's damning and it gives you an idea of the complexities of the people involved in this whole situation and why the system is geared so much not to reveal truth and to try to brush it under the rug. Because once you start to pull these layers of the onion back, everything unravels. I put out a video a few months ago about Lawrence Greco, AKA Larry Ray and his sex cult. It's one of the major cases the mainstream media has failed to report on. And as I dive deeper, you may start to understand why. But before I begin, thank you to Marco Polo, marcopolousa.org, for being one of the few to provide and publish more details into this extremely disturbing story. To recap on the background of this case, Larry Ray was convicted by federal prosecutors in the Southern District of New York of sex trafficking, forced labor, and extortion that occurred in New York and North Carolina over a 10-year period beginning in 2010. He somehow managed to live in the dorms at Sarah Lawrence College, the school his daughter attended. During this period, Ray targeted and subjected his daughter's friends to unspeakable acts of physical, sexual, and psychological abuse, not to mention he threatened and manipulated these girls into the open lo opening lines of credit, draining their parents' bank accounts, and selling themselves to make money for him. Some of the acts he committed are so horrific, I can't speak of them here. But how does a man, who was the best man at the wedding of Bernie Carrick, you know, the 40th police commissioner of New York, get away with something like this for so long? The list of clients he trafficked the victims to was entered into evidence under seal in Ray's trial. The list was inadvertently released by prosecutors into the U.S. v. Ray file and published online for anyone to see. It has since been scrubbed from the internet, but as I always tell you, the internet is forever and we have the receipts. I will publish the list for you at the end of this video. Similar to the Maxwell Epstein list we're still waiting for, at least 120 people including married couples are on the client list the media doesn't want you to know about. Here are a few notable ones. David Wasong, former portfolio manager for George Soros and friend of Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein, and also listed on page 56 of Epstein's Black Book. Zach Kaplan, account manager at Amazon, who happens to be right here on TikTok. James Schillinglaw, contributor at The Jewish Voice. Stuart Pilch, a CIA alum who lists the DOJ as a client of his. Itay Ariel, Canadian diamond supplier. Dating coach Connell Barrett. Christian Borge, lobbyist for Israel and Kazakhstan. Eric and Simone Price, a couple who live in the Hamptons and enjoy art museums. Peter DeBretville, a modernist architect at Yale who also taught art there. Anders Elric Schroeder, Danish lawyer, art collector, financier, and real estate developer. Kyle Finesca, modern art painter. Joseph Demena, hedge fund manager who along with his wife are founders of a children's history museum. How many of these people have been charged for their crimes? And if law enforcement, FBI, and the prosecutors involved in this case have access to this list, why haven't all of these people been charged with crimes? How many of them are connected to other crimes? How many of them are connected to Epstein? And that's the question right there is how many are connected to Epstein? And I bet that we probably know which is most. Here's the thing is that information continues to be our greatest weapon in all of this. It's a massive part of this fight. And as difficult as it is at times, because we don't see justice working through the system, we have to start understanding that the system itself is the problem. So while I've talked a bit about what's going on in D.C. and the, the Kabuki Theater going on up in, in, in Congress, and we hear the speeches from President Trump, all of that is good if it works. The problem is that we've had a really good track record of being proven that it doesn't work, that the system is broken beyond repair. 
that nobody wants to take a stand, that they don't have a spine or they've been bought out or they've been compromised because they've been diddling kids or something like that. Ultimately, this is always going to come down to we the people. We the people standing up and making a strong position and bringing justice. And what that looks like, I can't tell you. But what I can say is is it's a mindset that we have to be committed to that no matter what, nobody will ever be getting off or getting amnesty for the crimes that they've done. The crimes that have been done to this country just in the last three years classify as some of the worst ever done in the history of man. To have willfully walked people into using trust to have them inject themselves or be injected with one of the worst bioweapons one could ever imagine. One that has no trace in the end. That causes complications, both dis- disabling people or, or destroying people and killing them. And then we add to that the layers of other crimes with willfulness of a letting human sex trafficking run it wild across our border. The willfulness of letting drugs flood into our country. The willfulness of law enforcement not to do their job, or worse yet, to do their job by the book of enforcing illegal laws and arresting good American citizens. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. We the people are ultimately the answer, but what we have to appreciate as well is this thing was long in the planning, like long in the planning. Take a listen to this. Jacques Attali was an advisor to Francois Mitterrand, probably definitely saying that wrong, Mitterrand, the former president of France. And he wrote this in 1981. In the future, it will be a question of finding ways to reduce the population. We will start with the old man because he is over 60 to 65 years old. Man lives longer than he produces and it costs society dearly. Then the weak and then the useless who do not contribute anything to society because there will be more and more. And especially, finally, the stupid. Euthanasia directed at these groups. Euthanasia must be an essential instrument of our future societies in all cases. Of course, we will not be able to execute people or organize camps. We will get rid of them by making them believe that it is for their own good. Emigrate while you still can. Too large a population, and for the most part unnecessary, is something economically too expensive. Socially, it is much better for the human machine to stop abruptly than to gradually deteriorate. We won't be able to pass intelligence tests on millions and millions of people, you can imagine. We will find something or cause it, a pandemic that targets certain people, a real economic crisis or not, a virus that will affect the old or the elderly. It does not matter. The weak and the fearful will succumb. The stupid will believe it and ask to be treated. We will have taken care of having planned the treatment, a treatment that will be the solution. The selection of idiots will therefore be done by itself. They will go back to the slaughterhouse alone. There's another fragment that was excerpted from his book, same guy, Brief History of the Future is the name of the book, published in France, 2006. Understand that we are smart enough to find our own solutions and apply them. Those willing to take proactive, protective measures, maintain their health, and become more self-reliant will rise from this period of change and transform successfully. We will be the ones to structure the new world to come with a new focus on common good of all life everywhere. The old mindset expressed by that limited soul above will not be tolerated. The mindset and those that harbor it will vanish like darkness approaching before the dawn. It's true that many will go with the passing of the night, and yet those that remain will then shine all the brighter. Do your part. Take care of yourself first. Then look to assist any willing to listen and join in the reconstruction. This is me.
reaching out to anybody who's willing to assist in joining the reconstruction. Just thought you guys would care to hear that since it was from 1981 and the second excerpt from 2006. It's been planned for a long time. It sure has. This thing is a long, enduring plan, and they knew exactly how it would roll out because people were predictable. And they knew how to make people predictable, to make things convenient, to offer them solutions to make their life easier, to openly hide in, the, in plain sight, and to constantly feed people's desire to be entertained. The Romans had it down right, bread and circuses, and they understood exactly how to keep the people and the peasants occupied. Free bread and a little entertainment as you watch the Christians get eaten by, eating, eaten by lions. We haven't changed much, but it's time that we start deciding to make that change. And that change is going to fall on us, every single one of us, at a local level. We can't affect what goes on in the House. We can't affect what goes on in the circles around President Trump, not directly. We can't affect what the Supreme Court rules tomorrow, not directly. But we have a voice, and that voice is powerful locally. We can affect change locally. You can put up measures on your local ballot for people to vote on. Maybe they won't pass. It doesn't matter. Every step of the way is shaking the tree to get people to awaken. This initiative that we're pushing forward now this year, and it has now started with the first early podcast by Bards FM people, is to get 500 new podcasters in place, hopefully more. And like I promised, in the coming weeks, this will be all there including a map where people can find it, locate it, and find their local podcast or sign up to be a podcaster. This thing is coming together because information is the greatest weapon we have. And the information in awakening the masses to get them to agree to be disobedient and defiant is the most critical aspect of this war. These people cannot win if we will not comply. And that is exactly what we have to fight for is to build the army of noncompliance. And every single person here has a big role in that. That fight never stops, but it's a fight right now that needs to ramp up in a big way because 2023 is our year to take it back, our year to build the army, our year to answer the call. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these times that we come together each day using these platforms of technology to build this fellowship and this bridge across this nation and across the world. Father, right now, we need more than ever the inspiration and that courage to fill people's hearts, to know that their role, where they are, the station that they walk is important. A reminder, Father, that we walk with kingdom authority, that as we walk in this world, this is a world that is for us to have dominion over, not them, for us to step on snakes and scorpions, and for us to lead truly with the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we pray for the many out here that are listening and for the many that will be influenced by the words here tonight, that they will be inspired to stand up and to start action locally. They'll be inspired to build community and to realize that the greatest action we have is local to where we are, to shake the tree from the bottom, not shake the tree from the top. And in doing so, to rock this nation and to rock the countries around the world as communities, as villages, as shires come together and start working together to tell the governments no, to direct the direction of the nation rather than having the nation direct us. Such is the principles of how this nation was founded and such are the principles that how every nation should run. Guide us and protect us, and we say these things in Christ's holy name. 
Amen. So Patriots, this is an amazing year and an exciting year with a lot of new developments that are happening. It's something to keep our eyes on and something to keep driving forward on. There's going to be a lot of changes at the end of this. I don't know where that's going to take us or what it's going to look like. But we do know this. There are good people out here, and they're fighting hard. And there's many of us around. We just need to start linking arm in arm and start building these armies together. That begins with one person at a time. We will take this country back. There's no question in my mind. It will be a little bumpy. It'll get a little rough at times. But there's more of us than them. The only reason we would fail is because we ceased to believe in the power that we were given. And God gave us that authority. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
an old evil that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.